right, church, say amen. Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, turn with me to first, or excuse me, second Peter chapter number one, second Peter chapter number one, and then we're going to jump over uh, to first Timothy chapter number four, first Timothy chapter number four. Isn't it good to be saved? Amen. First Peter chapter number, or excuse me, second Peter chapter number one. We'll be in verse number five, verse number five. We are, we are continuing in our series. Uh, tonight we are on godliness. Say that with me. Godliness. godliness. It's going to tie in perfect with what we're doing on Sunday. Uh, and, and, and how many of y'all are enjoying the series on Sunday? And that's been a blessing, hasn't it? They're teaching us what we need to know there. And this is going to this is gonna just go right with it, so we'll, we'll have a, a good time tonight, all right? 2 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 5. If you're there, say amen. amen. And beside this, beside what? If you're here for the very first time, we learned several weeks ago that he is talking about the salvation experience. When you get saved, that's not the end of the line. That's just the beginning. Uh, we do not do these things that we have just, we're, we're fixing to read. We do not do these things to be saved or to stay saved. We do these after we're saved. That makes sense, amen. amen. You cannot work for your salvation. You cannot do for your salvation. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's done. It's a done deal. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? So what he is saying here, after you are saved, these are some things that you need to work on in your life. These are some things that you need to develop and invest in in your life. All right? Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. That's, that's uh, excellence. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, say it again. Godliness and the godliness, brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Never fall. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to come and study your word and share what you have for us. Uh, God, this is an important lesson tonight. This is something that we need to take and know and understand. There's a lot of material here that, that we are going to learn about godliness. But then at the end, Lord, we're going to learn how to practice it. We're going to learn how to develop it. We're going to learn how to, to, to uh, uh, do what we hear. And I pray, God, that you'll help us in that way. God, will thank you for all that you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Did anybody forget to get a lesson? Did anybody forget to get a lesson? I know uh, I usually do that in the beginning, and I forgot to do that. Uh, uh, brother, uh, yeah, Brother Jalen, raise your hand real high. We've got, we've got several on this side over here if you need one uh, all the way in the back, all the way in the back. Uh, Nikki Joe, make sure they get one back there. Uh, all right, all right. Now, turn now, turn now to, to, uh, to Timothy. We're going to look at Timothy here. First uh, Timothy chapter four, uh, verse number, uh, verse number, six. let's go back to verse six. Let's go back to verse six. Uh, we know our topic tonight is godliness. We know uh, uh, godliness is the topic. That's what, so we're going to go to verses, different various verses in the Bible, and study on that topic. What is godliness? Uh, 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 what, why is godliness important? How do, we, how do we attain godliness in our life? All right, verse number six. Paul is speaking to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor in an older established church, uh, 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 an older congregation. He is doing the best he can. He's having some issues. He's having some problems. Paul is his mentor. Uh, he is his father in the faith, and he is trying to encourage him. He is trying to, to teach him and bring him along, and he's having some problems. He's having some issues. Uh, he's, he's, he's having to deal with false doctrine. He's having to deal with false teachers coming in, old wise fables and stuff. Uh, how many of y'all know people's got all kind of crazy crazy ideas about religion. I'm talking about crazy ideas about religion. And if you're not careful, those people will creep in because they, they look harmless, they sound harmless, and, and they come in with different ideas. And Paul is saying, you got you to gotta deal with that. You got to deal with that. Your job is not just to help people get to where they're going. Your job is to detect error and reveal it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. 
it's, it's kind of like this. There's road signs out there. There's road signs out there on the highway. You're going down a road, and one road sign says uh, Massachusetts, uh, 15 miles, or, or Boston, 25 miles. All right, that's giving you direction on where you're going. That's important, and that's, that's the type of preaching we need. But then there are signs that says bridge is out. That's a warning. That's a warning. There's, so there's two different types of signs, two different types of preaching. You not only have to help people and teach people what is right, what is wrong, uh, uh, where they're going and how they need to get there, but you need to be able to reveal, you need to be able to expose false doctrine. So in this chapter, that's what he's telling them. You got to be careful. You got to know the word. You got to, don't deal with foolishness. Don't deal with fables. Don't deal with, with crazy ideas from people. Now watch what he says in verse six. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words, say that with me, nourished up in the words of faith and of good, what? Doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto, for bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. What is he saying? There is the temporal and there's the eternal. And now, now, don't take from this that Paul is saying that you, you, you shouldn't never exercise. You should never exercise. You should just try to be godly. That's not what he's saying. He's saying bodily exercise profiteth little. It might be little, but it does profit. Amen. He's not saying, I think we all should be healthy. I think we all should do everything we can to take care of our bodies, to give us a longevity to serve God and that type of thing. But what he is saying is we need to have a focus. We need to have an intent on doing God's will, on being what God wants us to be, being holy, being righteous, being pure, and those type things. He said one is temporal, one is eternal. One has some value, one has some value, and the other has great value, great value. So as we look at this, let's, 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 let's start from the top. What's the definition? What's the definition of godliness? If we're going to, if we're going to talk about it, let's define it. Uh, here, as we looked it up, the word godliness, uh, 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 we find divine, the word piety or pious, devout, uh, 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 another definition given devotion to God and a life of virtue, devotion to God or a life of virtue. I looked up the word piety. I looked up the word piety so we could even get a further definition. Belief and trust in and loyalty to God. Here's a real good one. The quality or state of being spiritually pure or virtuous. Now, before we go into this, we can, we can, I, I kept looking and I kept looking, I kept looking and I said, man, let's define this even more. Let's define, and I kept going and you can, I mean, you can, you, you can, you can get definitions till you're blue in the face and you can do all of this kind of stuff. But God really said, don't make it too complicated. Don't, don't make it too complicated. Don't, this is really not that difficult. Too many times Christians try to find loopholes in things and they try to find uh, a way out or they try to define it to a point where it does not pertain to them. Let's make it real simple. How many of y'all like simple stuff? Say amen. All right, here we go. Here, here, here's a good uh, simple illustration. This is life. This is life. Church, say amen. I'm not sure this is a good illustration in mason jars. I'm really... All right. Some of y'all didn't catch that, but it's all right. All right. This is dirt. Not complicated at all. This is just dirt. Dirt. All right. This is the earth. Uh, this is the world. Y'all with me? Uh, we have been called out of the world. Amen. Uh, be separate, saith the Lord. But sometimes the world gets in us, don't it? All right. All right, there we go. All righty then. Godly? Ungodly? Any questions? The Bible says that we are to be vessels unto honor, meat for the master's use. 
I heard a preacher one time when I was a kid give an illustration about that particular verse in the Bible. And he said, you know, sometimes you get a big glass of milk and, 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 and you don't drink all the milk. There's just a little bit of milk in there and you leave the glass on the counter. And, 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 and if, you, if you're not really uh, diligent in washing dishes, sometimes that, that glass will stay there for a day or two. Uh, and, and that milk uh, forms a film on the bottom of that glass. And, and, uh, and he says, when you go to get a drink of water, you don't go grab that. Nobody would. You'd see that. Oh, my goodness. Great day. And you go find a clean one. And, and he gave the illustration that God is looking down at his children and he's looking for vessels he can use. Y'all with me? Godly? Ungodly. Let's don't make it too complicated. Uh, here's another thing that, that God really spoke to my spirit about. Uh, sometimes, sometimes we need to understand that, that your Holy Spirit that's living in you is a great teacher and you need to quit ignoring him and trying to get somebody else to say yes to what he's already said no to. Well, I'm just asking if this is godly or not. The only reason you're asking because he's already told you no. How do you know? Because in my life, I don't have to go ask somebody if it's ungodly because if I go to do it, I feel it. Y'all with me? Because the Holy Spirit's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't, doesn't the Bible say that the Holy Spirit is our teacher? Amen. So, so let's, it's, it's not really complicated. Say it with me. All right. Now, how many of y'all believe that we can basically go through life and we can see stuff in our life that is? Or, am I right? Okay. All right. Let's keep that in mind. And let's, let's go through this study today. All right. Look here. Number one, the mandate. The mandate to godliness. What is the word mandate? The word mandate means an authoritative command. An authoritative command. Is this the idea of a preacher? Uh, it, did, did a denomination get together and say, hey, I think everybody needs to be godly or I think everybody needs to be uh, holy? And uh, where, where did this come from? Where does this demand for holiness and godliness come from? The Bible says in, in, in 1 Peter, this is the source. This is the source. Write that word down. A, the source of this mandate. 1 Peter 1, verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy... So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, that's the source. That's the source. This did not come from a preacher. This did not come from a teacher. Uh, this did not come from a denomination. This did not come from spiritual guru. This came from God. God expects holiness in his children. God expects godliness in his children, all right? The source. Then the scope. What does this include? Uh, what does this include? What is this, this mandate for godliness? What does this include in our life? Is this like a Sunday thing that we got to do? Is this like, do we keep the secular over here and the spiritual over here? Well, let's see. 1 Peter 1, 15, but as he which hath called you is holy, watch this, read it with me. So be ye holy, so read it with me, everybody. So be ye holy in all, how much? All. How much? All. all manner of conversation. Now, in that word, conversation, that doesn't mean your speech. That word means behavior. That means activity. That means your lifestyle. Everything about your life, God says, is to be holy. You're not just to put on a holy front when you come to church. And that happens way too much in America and, and across the world. Uh, we, we, we do everything through the world. We get there on Sunday. Uh, we know we're leaving the house. We argue and fight like cats and dogs all the way to the parking lot. And we pull in the parking lot. And we know them parking people are watching, so we throw on our holy smile. And tell our spouse, don't you breathe a word of this stupidity this way, man. <laughs> right? Come on. Hey, it's Wednesday night, guys. We can, we can just be honest tonight. Amen? God says we're to be holy in all manner of conversation. This is not, we don't check out when we leave the building. We don't clock out when we leave this building. Uh, now we go to our secular world because too many people have the secular set apart from the spiritual. They think, okay, I can be this way at church and then I can go to work and I can shave things and I can cheat a little bit and I can get around you and I can, hey, because this is business, business is business and church. Is, no, not according to that verse. In all manner of conversation. 
How we treat our neighbor, we're supposed to be holy and godly. How we, how we are to act at work, we're supposed to be holy and godly. How we're to treat people in traffic, say amen right there. So, this godliness stuff is like a 24-7 thing. If you're saved, if you're a child of God, God expects you to be godly everywhere. Everywhere. Amen? And you know what? If we was practicing more of that, the church wouldn't have such a stigma with lost people. Because the problem is, too many lost people see a different Christian at work than they do at church. Y'all with me? Yep, 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 yep. Scope of this mandate. Number two, number two. We're going to kind of breeze through the first three uh, because this is like general information that I want you to get to kind of, kind of let you see how important this is and why it's so important. And then we're going to hunker down in the, in the real uh, practical application stuff in the last point in, in that last page, all right? Uh, the mandate to godliness, number two, the misconception. There's a misconception to godliness, especially uh, in the fundamental ranks. There's a misconception in godliness. What's A, a misconception of appearance. Misconception of appearance, 2 Timothy 2, 26. Having a form of godliness, a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Uh, the word form means, it basically is the word when you, you form up, a, you form up a, a, a house pad or you, you form up a sidewalk. You, you put the, the outer forms there. There's an outer image there. But on the inside, there's no substance. There's no concrete. Are y'all with me? In other words, they got an appearance. It looks good on the outside. Watch this. Matthew 23, 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanliness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Wow. What was he saying? On the outside, they look like this. But on the inside, they look like this. And see, the thing is that God, he looks further than the surface. He looks further than the surface. He looked further than the surface when he came looking for David. That's why he passed by all of David's brothers and went all the way to David because the, the prophet said God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the heart. Are y'all with me? Uh, the Bible says the, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to cut and divide and go asunder. It's able to go to the very intents of the heart. That's say man. That's why it's so important to have Bible preaching because Bible preaching does not stick with the outside. It does not stop with the surface issues. It goes all the way to the heart. Real Bible preaching teaches more than just having a dress down to the floor. It teaches more than just having a short haircut. It teaches more than just what these little hobby horse uh, uh, topics are. It goes all the way to the heart. Are y'all with me? See, we can, we can be hypocrite because we can look good on the outside. And see, what, what a lot of Christians have learned to do is have that facade. They've learned to look good in front of other Christians. They've learned to, to dress uh, in such a way, and they've learned to talk in such a way, and, and they have all of this, but there's something going on on the inside. And let me tell you why that happened. Let me tell you why that happened. Because a lot of spiritual leadership has tried to control people. All right, let me, let me, this is not part of the plan, but I feel it, amen? Be not conformed to this world. The word conform means to press, apply pressure. In other words, you, you, you are pressed into a mold. Y'all with me? Be not conformed to this world. Now, this is God's plan. But be transformed. Metamorphio is a Greek word where we get our word metamorphosis. Y'all know caterpillar. What's happening in the cocoon is a change. There's a change that takes place. But the change is from the inside out. Y'all with me? And so, so what we have done, when I say we, I'm, I'm talking about religious leaders uh, in trying to control people and trying to uh, uh, change people quick. And change people to who we are, we, we apply pressure from the outside. We, we, we say, and, and here's the, there's the problem. We're not conforming them to Christ's image. We're conforming them 
to our image. We're applying pressure to them. I want you to look like me. Comb your hair. Cut your hair like me. Wear a suit like me. Do all this stuff because you need to be. And so what happens is we apply outside pressure. Put all kind of burdens on them. Put all kind of rules on them. Put all kind of issues on them. And, and, and they change. They do because they, they're a brand new Christian man. They think that the, 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 the sun rises and sets on the one that won them to Christ. And they think that everything they say. So they'll, they'll, they'll conform from the outside. But there's no interchange. There's no inner transformation. And, and so what happens is, when that leader leaves and the next leader comes and he has different he has different rules he has a different image in mind he starts applying that pressure all right and it don't stick why do you think there's so many why do you think there's so many people that fell out of church and bailed out of churches because it don't stick but what god says what god says now the world's form and the world's method of change is is conforming, is applying pressure. But God's method of change is transformation from the inside out. And so because we have used the world's form of change, we've learned how to look good on the outside and not mess with our bitterness, not mess with our unforgiveness, not mess with our gossiping spirit, not mess with our hypocrisy, not... Mm-hmm. Does this make sense? So what happens? You got to start preaching the book. Because when you start preaching the book, it goes way down deep past that surface stuff. That's why why the Pharisees didn't like Jesus. They killed him. Because he could see past the surface. And there's a a lot. Well, let's let's go. right. I'm going to run out of time. Uh, Misconception of appearance. Does this make sense? I hope I'm not going... Does this make complete sense? All right. Misconception of appearance. B. Then there's a misconception of activity. Misconception of activity. What do you mean? Matthew 5, 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. Whosoever say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart. The misconception of godliness. God cares more about surface issues. He cares more about whether you dress right, talk right, spit white. Say amen. He cares about what you're thinking. He cares about your attitude. You see, because because he knows that every act starts in the mind first. It starts as a thought before it ever becomes an action. The thought of foolishness is sin. Sin. So godliness is more. Godliness is more than just wearing a suit or a long dress. Godliness is more than just never saying a cuss word. Godliness is more than all all of that stuff. And and some of that stuff we think is godliness really is just a culturalistic uh, uh, opinion of what somebody should be or look like. Godliness is way, way more than all of those things. But see, if we can stop with the surface stuff, that stuff's easy. You remember Sunday how we started talking about that list? Hey, man, just give me the list. Huh? We can handle that. I, I just, hey, let's just make this. I don't have to make no effort. Just, hey, give me the list. So, uh, no, 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 no. It's got, it's got to be more than that. Number three, number three. What was number one? Give me number one again. Okay, it's gonna get worse now. Y'all gonna have to y'all gonna have to pep up a little bit. If you you dragging now, you really gonna be dragging here in a minute, amen. Number one, we see the mandate of, mandate of godliness. Number two, the misconception of godliness. Number three, the ministry of godliness. What is it gonna do for us? What is godliness gonna do for us in our life? Well, 
First thing godliness produces is peace. How many of y'all could use a little more peace? The Bible says, Proverbs 28, 1, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. 1 Timothy 2, uh, let me, before I read that verse, how many of y'all, y'all watch cops? Anybody watch cops? Y'all know, bad boy, bad boy, what you going to do, what you, you know, cops, all right? You ever notice, you ever notice when they have the camera in the windshield and it's facing, there's, there's this fella walking down the street, and he's just kind of always looking over his shoulder and looking over his shoulder, and then he finally sees that cop following him, and then, and then he just tears out running. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and, and here they go, and, 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 uh, and, and, and then either the dog has to get after them or they finally catch up with them. And I, I ain't done nothing. I ain't done nothing. I ain't done nothing. And, and this is what the cop always say. Well, why are you? And they always find it. They find something. You know, I mean, here we go. If you ain't doing nothing, why are you running? And you'll see him pull up to somebody that just stands there. Hey, what's up? You know, whatever. The, the, the wicked flee when no man pursue it. They're always looking over their head. They're always looking over their shoulder. They're always, 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 always. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. When you're lying, you got to have a good memory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Amen? Yeah. I, this, I was down with Brother McCormick uh, preaching with him, and there was this guy that, that ropes with him and rides bulls and everything. I mean, when you ride bulls, you're a bad dude. Say amen right there. I mean, you're going to strap yourself to a 2,000-pound animal that wants to stomp your head in. You are, actually, you've got problems. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> but this old boy was in there, you know, and he's, he, he, was, he was in the front seat, and I was in the back seat with Derek. We was cutting up talking. Well, this guy's in here is talking, talking to a, a young lady, and, and, and he, I mean, you know how they do that. They'll be smooth talking, just sweet and all this kind of stuff. Well, somebody beeped in. It was his other lady. Well, he was there. He he got off and started talking to her, and 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 and, and y'all know preachers stuff comes out of their mouth before they think. And he saw, he hung up and he was real smooth. Said something kind of funny, humorous about having two girlfriends, not knowing about it, and all this kind of stuff. And and uh, and and just I mean, before I call, I mean I was trying to reach to pull it back, and and I said, son, if you're gonna be a liar, you better have a good memory. And when I said that, I thought cowboy bull rides he's gonna kill me <laughs> but isn't that the truth what what what's what's gonna happen when you're living godly you're gonna experience peace it's kind of like when you're the kid with the good report card and the kid with the bad report card with the same father the kid with the good report card has no issues he can't wait for father to come home I'm, not, I'm talking about if y'all have one like mine. <laughs> the kid with the bad report card, he has no peace. Y'all with me? Yeah. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how, how sometimes you ever wonder why people that are kind of out of will of God, they don't want to come to church with you? Because one thing, they don't want to get around other people that are happy, but they don't really want to they don't really want to talk to God because they know where they're at. They know that the lifestyle they're living is wrong and they're going to run from it. And the whole time they're running, especially if they're saved, they have no peace. Now, I don't know about y'all, but in the life that we live, in the day we live, if there's anything that Christians need today, it's peace. And the Bible says that godliness brings peace. 1 Timothy 2, 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all, what's that word? Godliness and honesty. Godliness and peace go together, all right? Godliness produces peace. B, godliness produces power. Godliness produces power. Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which, without which, no man shall see the Lord. Now, why is that important? Because in 2 Timothy 3, 5, it says, having a form of godliness, 
but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Uh, what, what are you saying? I'm saying this. In the presence of the Lord, there's power. How did, how did David kill Goliath? The presence of the Lord. How did, how did Gideon do what he did? The presence of the Lord. How did they destroy Jericho? The presence of the Lord. Why was Moses so adamant? Why was Moses so adamant? And he said, listen, Lord, because Lord said, y'all go on ahead. Y'all go on ahead. Y'all go on to the promised land. I ain't going. And Moses said, I ain't going unless you're going. I don't even want to go. Don't make me go. I'm not going unless you. Why? Because he knew the power was in the presence. The power we need to lead our families. The power we need to, to take care of our children. The power we need to be the Christian God wants us to be. The power we need to overcome temptation and overcome sin and overcome this world. The power we need is going to come in the presence of God. And it's so important that we understand it. In 1 John chapter number 1, the Bible says, In him is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And if we have, if we have this, we can't fellowship with God. And if we can't fellowship with God and not experience the presence of God, we won't have the power of God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Godliness produces power you know I, I think i think that's the reason that a lot of churches today are struggling because there's there's a lot of churches that's that's gotten a little cloudy and they're not dealing with it now i'm not saying i'm not saying everybody's got to be perfect when they come to church god knows that ain't going to be the case because if you're reaching sinners there's going to be people that act like sinners I, I i got a phone call yesterday about some people that was goofing off in the third service Sunday and, 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 and doing some inappropriate stuff. And I, I had no argument with that. I said, that's not, that's not, uh, acceptable. Uh, so, you know, stuff, so forth and so on. And, and I tried to help them understand, but help me understand, or, or, or just please bear with us. If you reach unchurched people, they don't know how to act in church. They really don't. And, and, and I, and I don't like, I don't like, I don't like what was going on, and if I probably saw it, I'd have probably thumped them in the back of the head. But, but, and 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 that's and I, I get that. But we have to understand that if you go after unchurched people, they're going to do unchurched people stuff. Y'all with me? When I come to church, when I come to church, when church starts, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm keeping my mouth shut, and 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 and, and, and I don't I don't go to the bathroom till it's over. Say, man. Now, I, I, I just learned, you say, what, what happened? Because all my life, I sat right there on that right, or that left side looking back this way. Me and my little brother's right there. My mom sat right behind us, and we started nodding, and we started talking. Wham! Say amen. <laughs> there has been several knots on the back of my head, several knots on my brother's head. Why? Because from a little kid, I was taught how to act in church. Y'all with me? But some of these people don't have that. Some of these people don't have that. They don't, they don't have that upbringing. They don't, they don't know. I mean, I mean churches, churches like the movie theater. It's just another place. And, and, and I'm not condoning anything. I'm not condoning anything. I'm just saying if that's the type of people we're going to target, then this is the kind of stuff we're going to have to deal with. And we can do it. How many of y'all are mature enough to handle that? And, hey, we can, we can, we can overlook that and, 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 and deal with that and help them move from here to here. Amen. Power. Number three. Number th or C. I guess it's C. Uh, uh, a. A. Godliness produces peace. Godliness produces peace. I mean, y'all could use some of that. Amen. All right. B. Godliness produces power. All right. C. I like this one. Godliness produces profit. Profit. What does the Bible say? <clears throat> the Bible says this. In 1 Timothy 4, 8. For bodily exercise profiteth little. It's temporary. It's temporary. But godliness is profitable unto all things. In other words, every area of your life, godliness will affect. Did y'all get that? In other words, would you like to invest your time? Now, now, please get me when I say this. I'm not saying, and Paul is not saying don't ever exercise. Don't ever go to the gym. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying, he was being told 
apparently Timothy was being told, hey, spend all your time doing it. Because he, he, he go back to the profane wise fables and all this stuff. He's getting all these ideas. People, you got, it's kind of like, you know, you got to put a pickle in your sock or you got to put wrapped bacon around, a, a, all this kind of crazy stuff. He's hearing all this. And Paul is telling him, listen, if you will spend your time investing in godliness, it'll affect every area of your life. Now, there's nothing wrong with exercise, but it's going to profit one area. It's going to profit a little bit in your life. But if you will exercise to godliness, it'll affect everything. I mean, how many people, honestly, how many people do we have? And it's like a, it's like a, a deal, the running, the running deal in America and, and, and going to the gym and all that. It, it's like a craze. But I wonder how many people invest that kind of time in being godly, in reading their Bible, in praying, in fellowshipping. Are y'all with me? And that's all he's saying. Spend more time, invest more time in godliness in your life, and it will affect every area of your life. Not only that, but, but, but bodily exercise profit us right now. But godliness will profit you not only in this life, but in the life to come. Amen? It profits. For bodily exercise profit a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Very, very important. All right, we got plenty of time to hunker down here for a minute. Um, some people, some people are going to have the mistaken idea, especially after the last two weeks, that that Christianity is easy. Bless God, we don't have to follow the rules no more. Uh, we don't have to do all of that. It's not our own ever. We can just kick back and watch Jesus get it done. How many of y'all figured out that's not the case? I, I see couples come into my office all the time, and they're having some friction. I mean, they're, they're not married yet. They're going to get married. And, and, uh, and, and there's, there's issues. They can't get along. They're fussing and fighting and so forth and so on. And, 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 and they have this idea. They have this idea that if we can just get married, If we can just have a ceremony, there's something magical. And we won't ever argue anymore. And this will solve everything. We can just hurry up. And And I always look across my desk and they realize I don't have a poker face. <laughs> I want to I put on my wall, have y'all seen that Bill Cosby face? And I, I, I want to I say, and even, even, even some of us who didn't really fight and fuss and carry on like that, and, 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 and when we got married, we thought that once we got married, it just, it's on cruise control there. And everything's going to be. How many of y'all, y'all figured right quick, that ain't the case? Because marriage is about a relationship. Marriage is about two becoming one. It's way more than sex than just living together. Say amen. You figure out real quick, uh, we, 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 uh, uh, I don't know who I brought home. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield said, I said I do, but I should have said with who, amen? <laughs> because the one that I dated ain't the one that came home with me on my honeymoon. And we, we have this idea that everything's just automatic. Everything's just, here we go. And we've got this society now, we've got this society now that we've been programmed by doctors. If you've got a situation, take a pill. they got a pill for anything and everything. Stuff I can't even talk about, amen? Just take a pill. Hey, this is easy. Just take a pill. Here, 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 here. It's easy. Instant everything. And that's, 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 that's not 
the case. And there's two words that we're going to look at in this particular outline that, that it's like dirty words now. And, and we need to really get this. We need to really get this because there's nothing automatic. Let me tell you this. My father's in the back somewhere. I thought I seen him come in. Uh, uh, where are you at? All right. Don't be ashamed. You can raise your hand. Be hiding. God, I'll tell more stories about you. Amen. He can, he can testify to this. He can, he can testify to this and witness this. There are people in my home church down in, in South Florida that, that have been there long enough that they changed my diapers. And they are in the same spiritual state now that they were then. They come to church. They won't miss a service. They, 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 they think, hey, we're doing what we're supposed to do. But, but the stuff we're fixing to talk about, they don't make a commitment to do that. And if the truth be known, they may know some surface things about the Bible. They may know some elementary stories. Maybe they know who won with David and Goliath. Maybe they, maybe they can figure out who put the right one on the ark? I've been preaching and I've, been, I've had Elijah on the ark and Jonah on the ark and all, you know. But maybe they could get the right one. But really, a deep, true, close, intimate relationship with Christ? They know as much intimately about Christ today as they did then. And that's sad. And that's not, that's not an unusual thing. Paul ran into the same thing. Paul ran into the same thing. There was a group, he said, look, you should be teachers by now. I mean, not, not just you shouldn't be having these problems and these issues, uh, not just that, 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 that I shouldn't have to teach you these things again. You should be far enough along in your Christian life, you're teaching others. But we're skirting, we're skating, we're just, we're just getting by. It's almost become religious entertainment. We come to church and, 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 and hear something funny or hear something uh, heart-tugging and, 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 and just kind of make us feel better for the week and hope that he can, he can make us uh, uh, feel better again next week. And we're not getting stronger. We're not getting further along in our faith. We're not building strength and becoming soldiers. We're still staying weak. And here's what I want everybody to get tonight. And I hope I can do this Sunday. I hope I can do this in, in a way and have the time to do this Sunday. It's not about y'all. When it comes to godliness, it's not about y'all. It's about you. It's not about a Bible for you and your wife to read. You need your own Bible. Because God don't come meet with y'all. God wants a relationship with you. I stand at the door and knock. If any men, I'm going to see if you know what, you, what I'm talking about. If any men, if any group, if any congregation, no. If any Man, hear my voice. And what, I, what I'm saying is your Christian walk is not necessarily, I'm, I'm just saying it, I'm, I'm just saying it. It, it, it's not. Not necessarily, let's take necessarily out. It is absolutely not determined by what church you go to. Your Christian walk and your status as a Christian, your level of faith as a Christian, your level of maturity as a Christian is completely determined by you. You can't blame your preacher. You can't blame your wife. You can't blame your husband. You can't blame society. It's us. Well, you're supposed to be bringing us to... No. No. I'm to lead and feed. 
but you're to take it daily. If all you're doing is eating Sunday dinner, I challenge you. Let's do let's do it. Let's do a let's do a challenge. Let's do a challenge. Let's do this. Only eat when I preach or teach. Okay? Let's do that. So Monday you can't eat nothing. Tuesday you can't eat nothing. You can only eat one meal. You can only eat one meal on, on Wednesday. And you can eat three if you come to all three services, okay? <laughs> we'll have 800 people eat service, you know? <laughs> you say, that's silly, that's crazy. Really? You know what, you know what the word says? The writer, the writer said, I esteem the words of his mouth more important than my necessary food. Jesus is teaching, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he said, he said, you know, they come try to give him that sandwich. He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. He he already he already knew. He already knew. He told the devil, he said, that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so what what I'm trying to get across to you today is we're gonna have to make an effort. You see, you see, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to marriage, I don't care, I don't care how good a counselor you are. I don't, care, I don't care how good a counselor you are. I don't care how, <clears throat> how educated you are, how much psychology you know, uh, it, I, I, whatever that is, it doesn't matter. If both of them don't make an effort, it ain't happening. Period. I don't care. I don't care how bad one wants it. It ain't happening. Now, let me, let me tell you this. When it comes to this relationship between you and God, he wants it. And he's done everything to make it happen. And he'll do everything on his side of the deal. So it will be. The question is, do we want it? Now, here's that, that word that we don't like. What is the means? What is the means to godliness? The first word we find is exercise. Exercise thyself Rather to godliness. Everybody wants to go to the Super Bowl, but everybody don't want to do what it takes to get there. Everybody wants to look like the men or the women in the magazines and those fitness things. We want that, but we're not willing to do what it takes to get there. I remember, I remember when I was in high school, my freshman year in high school, uh, uh, our baseball coach, our, I don't know if y'all remember this or not, but uh, uh, during the first year, the, the Florida Marlins won the, the, I about to say Super Bowl, but they didn't win the Super Bowl, the World Series. The first year they won the World Series. Their starting catcher was Charles Johnson Jr. Charles Johnson Jr. went to high school. I went to high school with him. He was a senior. I was a freshman. His father was our baseball coach. And, uh, and uh, he was just... He was an awesome dude, man. I mean, he was just crazy. Uh, he, I think he hit a home run in the playoffs and all this. Kind of, it was really cool uh, 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 to be a Florida Marlins fan at that time. But anyway, I remember, I remember uh, when we were having uh, 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 training and, and, and it was just basically running and weights, running and weights, running and weights because it was out of season. And, and uh, we were running. And, and I, remember walking, I remember walking into the, uh, the weight room at the high school there at Westwood High and, uh, and on, the, on the dip machine where you, where you get on there and, 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 and you do dips. And, and you know, some of, them, uh, uh, some of them cats will uh, chain weights to them and, and do that. And uh, 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 I, I mean, say man right there. I'm, I'm breathing hard just thinking about it right there, amen. And, and I, remember, I remember walking in, and he's, he's doing them dips. I'm talking about, and, and, and man, his triceps are just, and, he's go, and this is what he's doing. Every time he'd go, every time he'd go up, he'd say, I'm going to be the best. He'd go down, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the best. And I mean, just, just going after and gritting, and I'm thinking, man, he's got a World Series ring. Because he was willing to pay the price. Godliness is not automatic. This relationship with Christ that we're going to talk about Sunday it doesn't just happen. Your, your marriage relationship doesn't just happen. Well, I tell you what, our marriage is, well, what are you putting into it? 
and he, she, Paul is speaking to Timothy. And he said, look, I know this bodily exercise, this physical, this physical uh, 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 activity you're doing, this physical investing in the physical, that, that, that's okay, but that's going to that's profit a little. But let me tell you something. Over here, I want you to, I want you to exercise thyself. And I'm, I've, got, I've got some exercises, by the way, before we get out of here. Amen? Uh, uh, I want you to exercise to godliness. And then, and then, and then B, write this down. Discipline. Discipline. Basically, discipline is this, saying no. Self-restraint. Paul gives, he, he loves giving illustrations about, about games and uh, athletics. And Paul gives this, this illustration about running. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Watch this. And every man that striveth for the mastery is, is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Unusable, he says. Paul was fond of athletic images and used them in his letters. The Corinthians would have been familiar with the Greek Olympic Games. Knowing this, Paul used a metaphor very close to their experience. An athlete must be disciplined if he is to win the prize. Discipline means giving up the good and the better for the best. The athlete must watch his diet as well as his hours. He must smile and say no thank you when people offer him fattening desserts or inviting him to late night parties. There is nothing wrong with food or fun, but if they interfere with your highest goals, then they are hindrances and not helps. The Christian does not run the race in order to get to heaven. He is in the race because he has been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Only Greek citizens were allowed to participate in the games, and they had to obey the rules both in their training and in their performing. Any contestant found breaking the training rules uh, was automatically disqualified. In order to give up his rights and have the joy of winning lost souls, Paul had to discipline himself. That is the emphasis of this entire chapter. Authority or his rights must be balanced with discipline. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, I want you to look at that last page. I want you to look at that last page. And here's, here's what I want you to take from that. Here's what I want you to take from that. Because some of y'all are going to think, well, my goodness, that ain't what you said Sunday. Here's the deal. Relationships requires effort. Effort. All right? Jesus is going to do those things that we need, the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, patience, forgiveness, forgiving those that have hurt us, uh, loving those who are unlovable, all these things, Jesus is going to do through that. But he's going to do that through us as we develop our relationship with him. As we abide in him. I'm the vine, you're the branches. You abide in me and I in you. You shall bear much fruit. Okay? Now, here's the deal. My buddy, my buddy in, in uh, Virginia, he, he's, he, he, he does a lot of marriage counseling and all that kind of thing. And he, said, he told me one day, he said, Malcolm, he said, you know what the secret of marriage is? I said, love. He said, no. I thought, well, it's a good shot anyway. I said, well, what's the secret of marriage? He said, effort. Effort. It's not love. It's effort. How much effort are we going to put in? And, and you know what? That's what these verses are saying. When he, they use the words like exercise, they use the word discipline. How much effort are we going to put into this thing? Now, here's some spiritual exercises. Here's some things I believe we have to do to develop this relationship with Christ. And we're going to talk more about this Sunday in, in, a, in a greater deal. But here's some things, and this is why I said this is why I said earlier, like a couple weeks ago, how important it is for you to have your Bible. First is my attention to my Bible. Number one on that page, my attention to my Bible. I didn't just put Bible reading there. I mean, how do you treat your Bible? I know, I know. Good gracious, uh, uh, how much is like my extra time that y'all don't put on there? Five minutes? Okay, we're gonna use them. Uh, uh. I know, I know a, a friend of mine, a lady, and, 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 and she, she won't put anything on top of her Bible. 
She will not set her Bible on the floor. Uh, uh, if, if she's got like a stack of books, her Bible's on the top. Now you say, well, that's extreme. That's, that's her conviction. That's how she feels about God's word. The closest connection you have to heaven, the only connection you have to heaven is your Bible. The Holy Spirit, I mean tangible that you can touch. The Holy Spirit obviously is our, our connection, but here's the deal. How do you treat your Bible? There's, there's several things that, the, that, that, that we are told to do with our Bible. We're told to read it. We're told to read it. Several places, several places in the Psalms, several places in the Psalms. I mean, there's a whole chapter, a whole chapter on nothing but how to treat the Word of God. And, and, and we got to read it. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know, well, I'm not a good reader. There's no excuse today not to get the Word of God. There's none. Every smartphone, you can, you can listen to it. You can get it on tape. You can get it on CD. Uh, uh, there is no, and you say, well, I can't afford none of them. Let me know, and I'll help you. If you don't have a physical Bible, if you don't have a physical Bible, let me know that. I will get you a Bible. You have to have a Bible. You cannot develop spiritual maturity without a Bible. Coming and listening to somebody teach it, and that's all you ever get is not enough. It's not enough. He says to read it, to study it. 1 Timothy 4.13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Not only read and study it, but meditating on it. means to give serious thought and careful thought to, to ponder it. 1 Timothy 4.15. Now, what are we talking about? What's the ultimate, what's the, 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 the main topic? Everybody say it. Watch, watch. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But what does this godly man do? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law that's talking about the word of God, in the law doth he, doth he meditate day and night. Watch this. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Isn't that what you want? His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall. Isn't that what you want? But watch this, number four, the, the are not so. The are not so. They're not prosperous. They don't meditate on the word. They don't desire the word of God. I'm telling you, it's so important. Well, preacher, I'm, is it important to you? Is it important to you? I found this out. I found this out about me and my life. I, 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 know, I know I've got a crazy, crazy schedule, and i got to do all kind of stuff. But you know what I figured out? In my 40 years of living, if I want to do it, I will figure out how. If it is important to me, if it's a priority, I don't care what my schedule is. I'm going to figure out a way to squeeze it in. Now, the problem is, is this thing called godliness and this, this relationship we have with Christ, it's not a priority. Because if it was a priority, it'd be number one on the list. Amen? All right. Prayer. Prayer. Fellowship. I'm not even going to read them because we don't have time. Prayer. You got to pray, guys. You got to pray. The word of God, the word of God is God talking to you. Prayer is you talking to him. Now, obviously, obviously that prayer is a two-way street too. That you need to, you need to, my, my daughter, my daughter, she, she, she was reading the Bible and, and there, was, there was one thing uh, uh, Paul was saying about being impatient. You got to slow down and, and be patient with something. I, and, and, and she said, I've been trying to make a decision about a certain thing and, and, and I've just been trying to, and, and, and you know, I thought, well, that's not me. That's what she said. That's not me. She, wrote an, she read another verse and it said, be patient. She says, okay, Lord. Is God talking to you? Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you heard from him? And you knew without a shadow of a doubt when you read that verse or you heard that or whatever, he was speaking directly to you. Let me tell you this. He wants that more than you do. And you Three, say it with me. Man, you got to hang around other Christians. That's, that's exercise. That's spiritual exercise. Hanging out with other Christians, talking about godly things. Number four. 
service. You got to exercise. You got to use the gift God put in you. You got to you got to serve the Lord abundantly, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Number five, sacrifice and and giving. All of these are spiritual exercises. Take those home and practice it. Do your exercise this week. Do your exercise this week and, and, and tell me next week if you don't feel different. Bodily exercise profiteth little, but exercise thyself rather unto godliness. It's profitable for all things, all things. Now listen, I need y'all to really pray for this Sunday. How many of y'all really pray for this Sunday? This is going to help so many people. It's going to change so many people's lives. And I want y'all to know, I want y'all to know the devil is beating the tar out of me. So uh, pray a hedge, pray, pray, pray victory, pray, pray whatever. I, I, I had a, a call from uh, one of my mentors, Brother, brother, uh, uh, brother McCormick down in Florida. And uh, he said, I just had you on my mind. I want you to know I was praying for you. He said, how you doing? And, you know, I always do that thing. Man, I'm telling you, if I was doing any better, uh, it'd be a li-. And I just thought, no, I ain't. I said, man, it's been rough. I said, I, I feel like I'm preaching exactly what God wants, and it's, I think it's going to help a lot of people. I said, but, man, I'm telling you what, Rev, the devil is kicking the tar out of me. And this is what he said. He said, well, son, if you jump in the water, you're going to get wet. And then he said, as long as you're preaching, he's going to be fighting. I thought, thanks for that inspiration, amen? (laughs) But Hey, it comes with the territory, amen? Stand to your feet, stand to your feet, stand to your feet.